the really special thing is that the women who are going to birth locally come to Thursday Island because we have the birthing hospital. Um, so they come to Thursday Island from 36 weeks onwards. And then just to see them in the community, out walking, getting themselves ready for their childbirth journey. Yeah, just, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Hello, and welcome to a Nurse Out Wear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza, and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week, we will meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Out Where. My next guest uh, has been working in hospitals for over 43 years. She completed her nursing and midwifery training in Scotland and then moved off to London. She's worked in the Channel Islands, USA, Saudi Arabia before seeing the light, I think, and moving to Australia in 1998. She quickly headed to Outback Australia and she worked in Dumaji, Burralula, Nuko, Minieri and Beswick. Uh, she then moved to Gundawindi and completed her Ripen Sexual Health and Immunisation Certificates through the Cunningham Centre. She then said she took the leap of faith and doubled in a university degree and gained a Master of Clinical Practice through the Griffith University. While in Gundawindi, she worked closely with the communities of Bogabilla, Tumlea and Moree, and she was the project officer in the team that implemented the Gundawindi Midwifery Group practice. So after 10 years working in the rural area, she wanted to return to the outback and took the opportunity to come up to Torres Strait and she's been there for 13 months now. Welcome, Roxana. How are you? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for giving your time and um, and sharing your story. I, I really appreciate you being able to come on board and and sharing the mid- midwifery perspective. You know, so so often we talk about a nurse out where and uh, I, I definitely don't want to lose the, the midwives as well. So thank you for, for coming and sharing this story. Welcome. I'm hoping that I'll be the first of many midwives to, to join you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I might have to do renaming and rebranding and do the whole thing yeah. over again. <laughs> That'd be great. We'd be happy. <laughs> so, well, the podcast is called A Nurse Out Wear, but let's change, the, let's change it just for this see how we go from your perspective can you finish the sentence I'm a midwife out where I'm a midwife out where um, I get a huge opportunity to connect with communities um, and experience the culture and their their strength in their culture and sharing their knowledge and witness and enjoy being part of their journey um, in the childbirth experience. So, um, you know, Aboriginal women and Torres Strait Islander women are quite different in their journeys. And um, it's been amazing just to be a part of. So for me, it's really about being in the community. Um, You know, we're not always um, birthing on land, but we are 
the women are very connected with their care and yeah just being part of that journey to see what their cultural norms are and how they bring their children into the world I think it's just a huge privilege for me yeah wow and so you said that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women I know we're going off script um they're they're a little already so early um that their birthing experience is different how how do you learn that or have you had to learn on the go or how how did that I think you learn on the go. For me, for myself, I'm from Pakistani background. So culturally, I always um, have been intrigued with even just my own family because I was actually born in Scotland, even though I'm Pakistani. And it was really family members coming over from Pakistan to live in the UK. I could be intrigued with them and how they conducted themselves. And, you know, even though they were my blood relatives, I was always like, oh, wow, they're so different. They speak different. They look different. Their experiences were different, you know. And I think from there, it's just been driven. Like I went, um, the hospital that I trained at, you actually had to do flight nursing. And I... um, you needed to do like 20 flights before when you actually graduated, you got this little flight badge and you were officially a flight nurse. So you were going out to the outer islands of Scotland and, you know, you were, you were picking up um, patients who required to come to the mainland. So for me, there's always been that drive and then going down, going to Saudi Arabia, you know, just look, witnessing um, being in a country where you can't speak the language and just having to sit with the women. And you know what you've got to get across is that they can trust you and that they're safe with you. So for me, I sat as a very junior midwife with many, many women in labor in Saudi Arabia, but up to eight hours sometimes in silence and just making eye contact. So just learning to read their body language um, and know when they're ready for that birthing to be happening and how they manage that as a group as a clan who their tribe is and where they get their comfort levels um and I think you know for me the biggest thing was you don't run into a community and you're you're the center you're never the center you're in there uh, as an adjunct to what is going on in that room in that community and you watch it's a little bit like you know basic life support you look you listen you feel and you feel for that community you look to see what's happening you listen and you know that's what gives you the feel of what is required and I think my my observation in the first part of my um, time in Australia was that I spent a lot of time with Aboriginal communities and their love of the open spaces and walk about and and just that family nurturing that they have and how they bring up their children. Um, and then I come to the Torres Strait and they have the, they need the sea, they need the tides, they, they read the tides and that's what helps them to believe that they will go into labour and when their baby will come and the different type of tide, um, you know, it might be a boy or a girl and they have, you know, the different communities have different thought process when it comes to um, all of that. So I find all of that intriguing, but I think to go back to your original question, I think it starts from my own upbringing. I think because I'm from a mixed culture myself and brought up in a Western society, I've always just been intrigued about other cultures. Yeah, yeah. And I and I like that, um, you know, midwifery is very much women-centred and yeah. you're um, there to 
um, support them through their the birthing process. Um, and I guess they would bring, you know, like you say, they don't they didn't speak for eight hours, so you just sat and did that. You know, like I think that really listening and learning with the women um, is is so important. Um, so you also mentioned that uh, about birthing on country. Do do they mostly come into the facility to birth or have you delivered on country or how does that work? Um, I, I've, I've delivered on country in Doomagee. I wasn't meant to, but um, I was Oops. A, <laughs> back then, um, it was my first year in Australia and I had gone up to Doomagee very quickly after I arrived here. And um, my there was no remote, remote area midwives back then. You were a remote area nurse with a women's health kind of portfolio and children's portfolio. So you had to have an open, open door policy whereby if any women came into the clinic, basically you had a well women's checklist there that you needed to get through and any infections needed to be treated. Same with the women, same with the children. And once you, they built the trust and understood what you were doing there, why you were there, if they could trust you. I always had music on, my door was always open, I had oils burning, and I wasn't white and I wasn't black, I was just somewhere in the middle, what was I, you know? So um, I think intrigue got them initially, and then, you know, the kids were always with this whole kind of snotty nose and just rubbing across their face instead of blowing their, blowing their nose. So I kind of started up a little campaign that if they would blow their nose for me and put the tissue in the bend, then they would get a vitamin C lolly. And before <laughs> I know, the, four, the four months that I was there, by the end of the clinic, the, the, the nurse in charge used to say, what have you got going on? I go, well, the kids are coming in. They're all going to blow the nose and I'm going to give. So we just need to order more vitamin C and tablets, if you don't mind. So that's what we did. But within no time, you know, you saw that these kids weren't doing this anymore. And then I found that when I came back to mainstream Australia, that became part of my kind of almost dialogue with um, well-educated people, that as soon as your child can actually hold something in their hand, as soon as they can hold a toothbrush and you're doing the whole ritual of teaching the child how to brush their teeth at the end of the day, um, give them a tissue and get them to blow their nose because they're blowing out everything that's there instead of doing this thing. So, you know, they get used to it straight away. And so often you see parents, they just wipe away and the child actually never blows out. So I just feel like, you know, there's just so many small, wee, quirky things to learn when you're in the outback areas that you bring back. And it just gives you so much satisfaction. I think I've gone off track. I can't even remember what the first what you asked me. <laughs> that's so. all right. And it is a skill. You know, I think about my own children um, teaching them to blow their nose. Like, it, it is a skill to blow your nose. It's not it something that just comes naturally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, but I still, to this day, I mean, I've been a midwife since 1987. I still teach every single parent that comes, regardless of how many kids they've got, I always say the same thing. Don't forget to teach them very quickly to blow their nose. And they just go, oh, yeah, small things like that you just forget, you know. But, I mean, it's just such a sensible thing to do. And it's one of the easiest ways to make sure that the child gets used to doing that, develops that habit, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, just absolutely magic, you know. Um, what was your original? original <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It's all good. It's all good. Um, what? Um, you know, you came to Australia. 
from you've yeah. worked in many places overseas, and then you came to Australia and you took off to the outback. What what drew you to the outback, or why did you want to work in rural and remote? Oh, I I think again for me, I, I I was actually a failure in Scotland when it came to getting my flight badge. I was the only of only student of 30, a class of 30 that didn't qualify with the rings because I actually vomited more on the small planes that you were flying out on than the patients were. The patients that I was bringing back from the island were looking after me um, as opposed to me looking after them. So I had to go to the director of nursing and say, I, I just can't do this. And she it's says, well, you will, be, you, yeah, you will be the only one that qualifies without wings. And I thought, you know, so be it. <laughs> as I say, for me, I've all whichever country I've gone to, I've always sourced out where is um where's the culture? Where's where's the country? What's happening there? How do people live? And I think that's because my own family come from Pakistani villages. They don't come from the city. I'm I'm not such a big city person. Always was wanted to go out always loved wide open spaces myself and and straight away I knew that when I got to Australia I didn't want to be um, stuck in mainstream but I have to say I was actually I hadn't done a lot of research I didn't know anything about closing the gap and I really didn't know anything about you know the the, the differences in the social determinants and um, I really felt that I had arrived in the third world like I felt I was in parts of Africa when I, I had arrived up in Dumaji and Borolula. But, um, you know, very, very quickly I assimilated into the communities and into my role and absolutely loved it. So I think for me, I will always look for, like I, I don't go to concerts that have got 7,000 people. I'll go to a local band that has put all the hard yards in and probably have 50 people sitting listening to them. You know, so it's not that I don't like crowds or people, but I prefer the nitty gritty, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, nice. yeah. Very nice. Um, I'm with you. I agree. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, big bands have their place, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, some of the... You know, we're bound by um, confidentiality as part of our registration. Yeah. And you've worked, I'm sure you've got lots of stories, but is there a particularly fond memory or a funny tale that you'd like to share as part of your experience? Yeah, I think one of my fondest memories in Gandawendi was um, I was looking after, I had a, I had done the project officer role um, to set up the midwifery group practice. And I'll just give Gandawendi midwifery group practice a bit of a plug here. They will be 15 years strong um, next March, the 17th. So Congratulations to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, caring for the women there, you, you cared for Indigenous and non-Indigenous women. And I think the fondest memory that I've got is looking after um, a young girl who wasn't engaging specifically. And then, you know, I sourced out who was her mum, how was I going to be able to connect with this young girl and um, only to find out that her mum actually was pregnant as well. So working with them was probably one of my most special times because in the end I managed to get 
mum and daughter, even though mum didn't need a birthing class, but the daughter definitely did. But I managed to get them both to come in and do their education, usually after hours, because they didn't want a lot of people around. And we had a small hut that we could use and it was all nice and secure. And having them both on birth balls, music going, just getting, you know, the young one to understand what her pelvic pelvis was capable of doing and having her mum there for that security for me that's probably one of the most special times and then of course birthing both of their babies was just such a, a massive event another funny one that I have actually is from when I went to Borolula we um we were a pretty strong um clinic uh we had a cardiac nurse we had a renal nurse we had somebody who was really interested in geriatrics um we had a doctor who came from the gold coast who had everything rm williams on when he first arrived there and then there was me so you know we always kind of went okay person's got chest pain who wants to put that ecg on or you know if there was a male in and they needed to be catheterized i'd say i don't do it under the waist with men who wants to jump in there and do that and then they'd say oh there's a lady in here can you jump in and do that so we kind of had I don't know, we had all disciplines covered. And then we had this beautiful doctor come up um, from uh, the Gold Coast. And um, as I say, he was very smart and very schmicky when he first arrived. And um, within about a few weeks of being there, he hadn't shaved and he wasn't looking so smart anymore, but he was a great <laughs> guy. And he and I went out to a rollover uh, in the middle of nowhere, um, probably about an hour and a half we had to drive in the Trubi. Um, and we actually located the gentleman in the car, in the vehicle. Um, he, he was actually outside the vehicle. We had to get him into, you know, spinal collar and everything and get him into our Trubi and get him back. But he had clearly got um, quite a massive um, head injury. And there was just the two of us, because you couldn't take everyone, the RFDS couldn't land where it was. So we actually had to go and do that pick up and then come back to the clinic. So there was this Gold Coast doctor, um, first outback gig and a midwife going to pick up a patient with a head injury from a rollover, go figure. But anyway, I managed to get this guy to stay calm in the vehicle with me because I was sitting in the back with him he was very very agitated and all I did was breathing exercises like he was in labor and I actually ended up getting him to breathe with me and um, by the time we got back to the clinic he was definitely calm but then very quickly went off again with the you know swelling in the head and everything um, but it gave us no end of hours of laughter when this doctor would reflect and go he said to me at one point, looking through the, you know, the mirror, he goes, really? Breathing exercises? He's not in labor. I <laughs> says, Jim, Jim, anything will work. I've not done this for years, for goodness sake. You know, so for me, if he's having a baby, I can keep him calm. And I did. So, I mean, we got back to the clinic and then the rest of the trips were there. And before we knew it, the RFDS were there to assist us and get that guy to the mainland and it all worked well. So that was probably one that gave us an awful lot of laughter um, many, many weeks down the track, you know, um, um, for this man with a head injury to be doing these breathing exercises as if he was in labour, you know. So, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and now you're up on beautiful TI, 
you know, you were saying to me just before that, you know, you look out, out your window at the at the beach and, you know, how 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 do you put up with that? I, I don't know. But is there a particular um is there a particular story of your time on you've been there for um just over a year now? Is there a particular yeah, memory yeah. of your remote experience in the islands? Oh, look, for me, the, the biggest thing, you know, for me, I um, I came up here and I, like I said, I didn't do small planes and I'm not actually very good on the water. And when I got this opportunity, a few of my friends private messaged me and said, just want to point out the second word of the place that you're going to. It's <laughs> island. Um, and I went, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll be fine. And something's just flipped in me. Like I can go in small planes now and there's no drama whatsoever. I can be on a boat and there's no drama. I can jump into that water and there seems to be no drama. Um, so for me, the, the, the biggest thing, I think the first really moving thing for me was um, I needed to get here and get to the islands, to the clinics, to meet the staff, to, to see the community and see what the midwives actually did on community. So Thursday Island has had a midwifery group practice running since 2017. And it is very difficult from a geographical point of view to provide absolute continuity of care. But what you what they have done extremely well is build that connection within the community. So they, they they look at the islands, they split up the islands, and it's the one midwife who goes back and forth there, gets to know the community, gets to know the women, et cetera, et cetera. So for me to witness that work that has been done, for me to witness as the manager with the midwife that I'm working with, the respect that they've got in that community because of just the years of being there and, and looking after these women was just huge. So for me to go to Murray Island, to go to Yam, to go to Badu, to go to Bamaga, just absolutely magnificent. And then, you know, the, the really special thing is that the women who are going to birth locally come to Thursday Island because we have the birthing hospital. Um, so they come to Thursday Island from 36 weeks onwards. And then just to see them in the community, out walking, getting themselves ready for their childbirth journey. Yeah, just, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's really cool. That's really cool. And so the women, the women come and spend the, the last few weeks of their pregnancy. Yeah. They're a low-risk birth, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yep. yes, for the most part they are. And they if bring a support or? Like... Yeah, yeah, no, normally they've got a support person with them and if the support person doesn't come with them for the full four weeks, um, you know, they'll definitely be here for the last part. And even through COVID and stuff like that, we didn't struggle too much with getting women here. Um, they're actually very, very happy to come to TI and they know when they're here, they're here for that next bit. And they're very, very connected with the hospital. Um, which is great because you don't see that a lot in our Indigenous communities that they're connected with their care. Um, but here they they feel very, very comfortable with the maternity unit here. And, you know, they might not have their same midwife um, that they see um, 
uh, you know, maybe for the birth she's not there, maybe it's one of her partners that's there, but they very, very quickly get to know all of the midwives that are working in the hospital and that are going to be looking after them postnatally. And then, you know, they're coming back. Then they go back to the hostel after they've had the baby, maybe two or three days after they've had the baby. And then they wander back and forth to the hospital to get the baby weighed or to get hearing screening done or if they've got any questions. So it's just a really comfortable and lovely situation. So um, it, it's just amazing to be a part of. And yeah, the staff have just done an amazing job to, as I say, that connection is so strong um, that I, I've not seen that anywhere in any of the countries that I've worked in where women are so connect, connected, you know, uh, um, um, what's the word? Um, Yeah, your indigenous people are so connected to their care. You know, yeah. I haven't seen that in any of the other countries that I've worked in. You're, you're kind of going to pick people up and you're cajoling them to come for their care, you know, but here you don't have to do that. And, you know, more and more we're starting to see the men that are... Um, coming into the hospital they're starting to feel more comfortable with being in the birth room some men are not but certainly the experiences that I've had so far um you know three men that I've worked with in childbirth have been very comfortable to be a part of that and very very supportive so it's just a really strong family unit and that's always you know always makes you feel like your job is worthwhile then you've done something great if you see that connection with them yeah. So, yeah, it must be magic. really rewarding to see it is. the efforts magic. that you're putting in as, you know, it's really impacting on community and, yeah, to have that relationship must be, must be professionally rewarding for you. Hugely, hugely. Yeah. So what, what do you miss the most when you're, you know, you're now living on a tropical island? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you miss by living and working in rural and remote areas, if anything? Um, look, not an awful lot. Um, I do like going to the cinema. I do like a big screen and big sound when it comes to a movie. So that's probably one thing that I miss. Um, but apart from that, I mean, we have the best sunrises and sunsets. We've got Greenfort Hill there that we can go up to. We've got the most amazing waters and they change color all the time this week we've been having kind of full moon sightings and we had an italian night um on full moon on monday night where the staff all cooked something a couple of weeks ago we did a curry night um and tonight somebody's birthday and we're going to go bowling so i think oh, we're no. trying to keep each, try and keep each other going um and there's not an awful lot that you do miss. And I think um, as much as things can be expensive here, the fruit and veg that you get, if you get it at the last minute and you don't have it in your fridge for a week, um, it's really fresh and it's really nutritious food that you can get. So I don't really miss anything except for occasionally going to see a movie in a cinema. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think, I don't, I think it's been years since I've been to a cinema. I can't oh, think goodness. of what even I saw at the cinemas last. <laughs> it's mm. been a while. <laughs> yeah. I think yep. COVID squashed a lot of that, though. We'll blame COVID. Blame COVID it, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor COVID. Poor COVID. So, um, look, it, you've spoken so fondly of your time up on the islands and even, you know, in, initiating the midwifery group practice in Dundawindi. Um, How do you look after yourself? Because it's not always a positive environment to be in 
Um, yeah. It can be really challenging, but how do you look after you? Um, for me, I think, you know, in the last few roles that I've had, they've been senior roles. So they've been clinical midwifery consultant roles. So you're kind of a manager, but you're not. You're kind of a clinical expert, but you're not. But you get to make a lot of the decisions. So, you know, you 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 don't have a lot of people knocking on your door going, let's do this or let's do that. You know, you're not everyone's friend. And for me, it was important to make sure, like, the accommodation that I secured in Thursday Island would be accommodation that I didn't have to share. I, I didn't want to be sharing accommodation and then having to manage staff as well. And I think that's worked out really well for me because I've slowly just got, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is I get to know the community. I spend a lot of time, I don't mind my own company. So I spend a lot of time walking and looking to see what is on from a local point of view and taking myself down. Um, I'm very much into photography. So, you know, I'm behind a camera a lot of the times. And, you know, we've had some amazing um, staff nights here as well, because you, you have to do that. You have to be adaptable to be with people and you have to be adaptable to be without people as well. So I think it's just finding what that balance is for you. And um, I had a milestone birthday this year in April and a Happy few birthday. people were going to, yeah, thank you. Um, a few people were going to come up, but in the end, there was 15 of us for, for four or five days, you know, so 13 people came up, two of which I had no idea that were going to be here. So it's probably, the, I think it's my best milestone birthday ever. You know, <laughs> like I thought twenty. I thought my 21st was amazing, but my, no, my 60th definitely uh, it just takes a biscuit. And, you know, everybody was so welcoming and just loved having visitors here. So I think you've got to be really adaptable. You know, you've got to be really adaptable. And sometimes you're not going to be sitting next to someone you want at your Christmas table, but does it matter? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's about being in that moment, get what you can from it, and then, you know, process what doesn't work right for you and, and do it differently the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you briefly mentioned accommodation. So it's something that, um, you know, a lot of people will talk about in rural and remote areas so what what's the accommodation like up there um ti look i have to say that um of all the agency nurses that i've come through i've probably only had one or two issues um most people say that the accommodation on ti is very good because regardless of what accommodation you're in whether you're in shared accommodation or group accommodation you not only have your own bedroom but you have your own bathroom as well Okay. And I think that is vitally important to a lot of people. They don't mind going to the middle of nowhere, but they don't necessarily, and they don't mind sharing. They don't mind sharing a kitchen, a fridge, everything, but not a lot of people like to share a bathroom, you yeah. know? So I think that's a huge plus for Thursday Island, but sadly we just don't have enough accommodation, I think. You know, we need to be a little bit more flexible with people who want to come up here. Some people want to bring their partners up. Some people want to bring their dogs up. And, and we just can't accommodate that. How do you get a uh, dog over to the island? <laughs> yeah, it's a big process, but there's lots <laughs> of dogs here. There's lots of people with dogs, their dogs here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I'm talking about, we don't have a permanent workforce that's uh, stable. I'm talking about agency midwives who want to yeah. come up. Things like being able to bring their partners up or uh, bring their pets up would make a massive difference, you know. But, you know, there's only so much that housing can do. 
you know, so um, it is what it is. But I think they do a fabulous job and the housing that is provided is superb. Nice. nice. So we can't go to work all the time. And you've talked about you yeah, heading off to bowling or something. What do you do on your days off? What do you? How do you fill in your time off? Yeah, look, I I joined boot camp here. We have a wonderful local lady who runs a boot camp, so I did that for the first part of the year, and then I really got into walking. Um, I do, as I say, look for cultural things that might be happening on my days off. Um, I hadn't been to church for a very very long time, and I went to church here just to experience being with the community. So, um, and it's a fabulous um, experience. I went to probably four or five of the different churches and now I've settled in the Anglican church where I go to just because I've got to know the community that goes there really. And they always have the local drum and they have some of their local hymns and their, their, their voices are amazing. So I, you know, I, most Sundays I'll toddle off to church and I was just saying to my boss that last Father's Day, when I was only here a few weeks, I went to that church as a stranger. I was very, very welcomed. Um, but this year I went back on Father's Day and um, I was asked to do the first reading of the service. So that was really, really special. And, you know, they're very, very welcoming. I had two friends that were up here last week and I was working on Sunday, but they were keen to go to the church because one of them was from Mossman and she always remembers um, the churches and the locals in Mossman and she wanted to go. And she actually was asked as soon as she got there if she wanted to do a reading. So she was she was absolutely thrilled. But um, yeah, that's how, that's how I spend my time. I look to see what's happening locally because that's really what I'm here for I'm here to experience the local culture I, I don't see myself as here to make lifelong friends I've got heaps of friends at home and what I you know friends I make along the way I pick up they'll stay with me forever but that's not specifically what I'm here for funny story um we were having two of us were having coffee the other day and a couple of the pilots I didn't know they were pilots came and sat next to us and they um do helicopter trips and stuff like that anyway the midwife was chatting to them and and one of them says to me oh you must be new we haven't seen you around and um, I says oh no I've been here for 13 months in my head I'm going well I'm, I'm the one that enables everybody else to go on the helicopters and the, and the boat rides and stuff like that you know so I'm not big for going out and doing the touristy things yep. I'd rather just stay local so that's how I get through yeah, nice. yeah. I'm pretty happy with that so you know, anyone who's listening and thinking, oh, I'd love to go and live up on TI or experience midwifery up on TI um, or yep. nursing or midwifery on TI, what would be mm -hmm. your top three tips for someone who might be thinking about joining you up there or joining the rural and remote workforce in general? Okay. Um, I've thought about that and then I thought well there's lots normally when you come up places like this I've always got projects whether it's tidying up playlists of my music that I've um, been collecting for years whether it's photos that I've got to go through and sort all of that out um, I would tell people to research where they're coming and really you know I, I still get people coming up here and they go well you can't really go anywhere can you and I go well it's an island Oh, just that when we saw lots of four-wheel drives and things like that, we wondered, you, I says it's an island. 
it's an island. So some some midwives and nurses, it takes some two or three weeks to get their head around. They can't just pop over to, so they might think it's something like Hammond Island or I don't know, Great Keppel Island or something like that, that there's bars and cocktails and everything and there's not. So I would say research where you're going to. Um, and if there is, um, you know, if you've got little projects that you haven't done for a long time, bring them up, you'll get them done. And then the other thing for me is look at where you are, what the community is, and look for short education um, courses that you can do, because you'll definitely be able to enroll in short education courses on your downtime and get some really good um, education under your belt, whether it's, you know, anything to do with child health or sexual health or whatever your specialty is, um, you will be able to manage to do that while you're up here. So for me, I would be telling people to make the most of their time, their downtime by keeping themselves busy that way. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, Roxana, thank you for, for your time and thank you for sharing your story. I hope that uh, it inspires some others to come up and join you and, um, you know, I'll send them your way, certainly, if I get any contacts from them. But, um, yeah. yeah, I've really appreciated hearing your story today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, that's the whole point of coming on is to see if we can entice more midwives to come up here and certainly look at taking, you know, longer contracts in just a few weeks because you really only get um, a very, very, very little sample of it in four weeks. It's really not a long time. And um, yeah, the girls that have been here for a long time, they, you know, they're really benefit from that experience that they have gained here and it's like a home from home very good all right well i'll let you get back to your sunset and um, we'll talk okay. again soon thank you very much if this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.